You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. We don't just want to talk about the Bible. We want to do what it says, and that is part of our discipleship. And therefore, there are times where we think it's really helpful to reflect on that and to reflect on how it's going. We want to give glory to God for his goodness and his kindness. We want to look back and celebrate as much as the worship was even drawing out this morning. That's what we want to do. But then we want to look forward with vision and purpose for all that's ahead. Also wanted to mention it may be helpful for some of you that have joined us more recently. Uh, If you missed last year's vision talk, we we think that would be worth catching up on because it feels foundational to to the next five years. We said that the vision is five plus five equals 100. It's not that we can't do maths, but we said that we've been here for five years as a church plant. The Lord has done so much, but we believe that the next five years will be about developing the culture and the infrastructure to allow us to fulfill the vision, to set us up for the next hundred years, to set us up for something that outlives us. So let's just take a moment to look back at God's goodness over the last year. We're a church that has a heart to love Jesus and to love Manchester. And as we always have, we want to be people that look out. So let's start there. Let's be a people that focus on something that is of others rather than ourselves first. So before, um, even before the pandemic, we set out on a highly, highly ambitious project to restore the former Longsite Youth Centre to be a community hub, to be a place that would serve the needs of the local community in one of the highest child poverty areas of the country, to allow it to be a place that would not only be a springboard for us as a church to serve and meet local needs, but also for that to be similar for other people in the surrounding area. The tree that hopefully you can see coming out of that roof caused us problems that ran right down to the basement. I'm delighted to say, though, that the building work is now complete. With many of the... Absolutely, it's a celebration. With many of the many wonderful finishing touches that have made it what it is. But it has been no small undertaking. There has been at least 44 spaces renovated from storage cupboards and corridors, office space, right through to the huge hall that is now done. The installation of 25 windows, including a lift. No joke, we put a lift in. Uh, The car park, 54 new doors, 28 new walls, 40 plus skips, the approximately 10,000 bin bags that were filled, the 10 new toilets, the huge investment in the heat insulation, reducing the bills and our carbon footprint. Some of you have given everything and a little bit more to that project. And as the building project has now started to wind down, we will be taking a moment fairly soon to properly thank you and acknowledge that some of you have given so much time and effort to make it happen. It is slightly beyond the scope of what we have time to do well and to do well today, but I do want to say we're going to mark that moment and it's not going to slip us by. But the build has been huge and it has been significant. This, though, was never about 
a building. It was always about serving the needs of a local community and the springboard that that would give us and others to allow people to serve. The pantry team now provides a safe and welcoming and dignified space for people to choose food essentials and, and gives away approximately 250 kilograms of food every week to our members. Save the Children have recently asked to partner with us and just before Christmas has since enabled us to give away and distribute £5,000 worth of vouchers to member families. One young mum said this, I brought my daughter, sorry, I thought my daughter was going to sleep cold. When they scanned the voucher at the checkout, I hugged my daughter because I was so happy. I'm happy that I've got your, you guys. My baby is really lucky to be here with your support. The pantry team take phenomenal care of people. They celebrate babies, birthdays, they sit with people who are grieving, they notice remarkable details. One mum was only able to buy shoes for her toddler this winter and nothing for herself and the team stepped in to help her replace her sandals for trainers and also buy her some socks to stay warm and to stay well. There are so many individual moments that can often go unseen. Families and individuals in insecure housing or in refuges can often lack the basics. One member recently didn't have a tin opener. They've only got a microwave in their kitchen, so their options were limited. The next week, the team had provided a tin opener ready for them to be opened, some of the tins that they were able to give them. This has been a huge project, but it's the tin opener details and that's the many parts of it as to why we would set out on a journey like this. The pantry has now been open for a year and we've received over £7,000 from supermarkets and other organisations in the city to buy food and essentials. We're so, so grateful for the many of you who keep making donations and giving volunteer time. As we're now able to start creating emergency food parcels and expand the pantry slot to accommodate people who work during the day so that they're also able to have their needs met in the evenings. Our stay and play team are now creating a new project with Save the Children and local mums to support parents and play and learning from pregnancy right up to school age, helping children to thrive and reduce inequalities at the earliest of stages. One of our interns has created a whole curriculum for stay and play where stay and pray, stay and play, where parents get peer support and there are sensory activities to help children reach developmental milestones. One mum said when she received the flyer for stay and play, she was counting down the days when she would be able to come. The parents need this and the carers need this as much as the kids. At the After Schools Club, we've seen young people with significant needs and pains, where they've been able to have time and space, where people have championed them and the team has stood alongside them and celebrated them. Their posture and their faces can literally change when they're in the room. The groups who hire the space offer transformative programs to our community and it's often a highlight of their week to even come to the space, let alone hire it. One said 422 is a great location for our weekly young people wellbeing sessions. It's very accessible. The staff are super friendly and it remains a highlight of our week. 
through volunteering or coming along to groups. People have got to know us, and they've asked, why would we do this stuff? One of the volunteers at the English Language Cafe came along to the carol service and said, the stories about Jesus are so heart-touching. I cried at the performance. I don't know if it's still there, but that photo of the English Language Cafe only just made it in, if you notice the detail on the whiteboard. Over the 100 hours, though, each week go into making that, uh, that, that place possible. There's room for you, and there's room for you as we grow from a building phase and start to fully fill it with life-giving opportunities and hope for so many. We have incredible opportunities to love our community well. In the last year, there's been over 4,395 hot drinks served, 3,500 meals, 1,500 slices of cake, and 625 free pay-it-forward meals served to people. That's despite, through much of this period, that also being a building site. But it's now time for us to go for it. You will be able to help us fill that space with people who will hire it. Some of you may even be able to use it in the basement where you might hire it for a startup business. The money that we're then able to use and reinvest into the community. We literally are a people that get to move into this neighborhood. There are endless opportunities still ahead. And we are so grateful for every single second that you pour into making it a reality. We love the love that you have for the people of this city. Can we just change gears slightly? Because we also love the love that you have for creating space for people to be part of this church. People often comment on the welcome that they receive when they come here, how they feel known, how they feel valued. We want to thank you for making that what it is. It is really remarkable. Many people have found us through the kindness and the welcome offered by the car parking team. Over the last year, you've given welcome bags to 93 people. 43 people have joined us at welcome dinners. 37 people have served at welcome dinners to help make them happen. They've given collectively over 111 hours to do so. A further 30 hours have gone purely into the food preparation. That's over a day's worth of time. If you've yet to join us, we really want to invite you to come along to one of those. People have, we've actually started to have to ask people to leave at the end because nobody wants to go. This last year, somehow, and I'm not too sure how this happened, everybody spontaneously created a tunnel to say goodbye, but kept joining the end so nobody ever left. At one welcome dinner, somebody said this, they loved it, they immediately told us that it felt like home. They joined Alpha, somebody offered to babysit so that they could go to our Alpha, and all of that happened within a week of them joining us for the first time. A further 18 hours a week goes directly into welcoming people. People are often welcomed so well that they would then want to join the welcome team and to do the same for other people. A further 38 people joined us for puddings and purpose. We don't just want to gather a group of people. We want to envision people. We want people to understand who we are so that they can step in and play their part in making it a reality. 24 people have done Alpha. All of them are still taking steps towards Jesus. Seven of them have joined small groups, teams, and been baptized. You poured 180 hours this year into Alpha, hosting, cooking, providing spaces and places for people to explore Jesus on the free courses that we've run. 
a number of you also helped to run Alpha in the prisons, and you gave over 200 hours to that. 43 prisoners have attended the free courses that you helped to run in this last year. Doesn't it strike you as quite remarkable that the 43 is the same number as the number of people that came to the welcome dinners in the church? We always will want to be people that give outside of ourselves and significantly in doing so. I'm restricted in what I can say about it, but the stories of God moving in you and through you in those prisons is quite remarkable. On completion of Alpha, the guys get a certificate, and I was hearing how the governor was so touched by the excitement of the lads getting their certificates that she's mainly used to them often being bad or negative environments or situations. She found something that they were so happy about, therefore the governor herself has been asking questions about what Alpha is and why people would do it. One of them has described themselves as an ultra-strong atheist and yet had a life-changing experience, sensing a tingling in his legs on the Holy Spirit week, which has slightly changed his view. The power of God to transform lives through your willingness to serve in prisons is incredible. There is no intentional or seamless link between prisons and talking about kids, but I just want to talk about the kids, and it has been remarkable. Age-appropriate discipleship, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. You've this year split our primary school age groups, kids, into numerous groups to accommodate the growth and to give them as much age-appropriate time as possible. In the last year, you've launched Crash for the first time. I want to say this is honestly a really big deal. That is a very hard stage for parents. It's also a really hard stage for babies especially when there is a well-known toy stealer among them who seems to get away with it because of his charm. But I want to say thanks to an incredible team, things often seem to end quite well. So right from the youngest of ages, you've given them opportunities to worship Jesus. Many of you may not realize what happens behind the scenes, but the investment is incredible. One of the kids said recently when they were worshiping, this must be what heaven feels like. In the last year, you've sat and made over 1,010 crafts with them, but you constantly and consistently find ways to teach them, to pray with them, and to help them to live like Jesus. There's been so many moments among them of building community, of having fun, creating spaces and places to invite others to join in, the shine party, fun days, Easter egg hunts. I will never in my life forget the moment at the weekend away that all of the kids and the youth were prayed for, a number of them for the first time experiencing the Holy Spirit. At the weekend away, one of the leaders was hanging out with one of the kids, and the leader asked, what is your favorite place? And he said, I don't know, but it is probably here. The community of God is a remarkable thing for them to be part of. Thank you for all that you do to serve so tirelessly among that age group. Before Christmas, they wrote a song, and it's an incredible song with such truth and power. There's always more opportunities to be involved with that age group as it continues to grow and expand. For those of you with young children, dedicating your children is also an incredible opportunity to invite friends, family and colleagues to see what Jesus means to you. Five of you are currently on the internship, which is a place and a space to allow you to intentionally love the city, serve the church and invest in your relationship with Jesus. 
I want to thank you for giving so far this year over 630 hours to that. They're crucial stepping stones in yours, but also in the church's growth. And we're deeply grateful for you. Just one little story. When they flyered for the stay and play group, as a result, two women joined with their kids. One, one of the mums had received the flyer twice and thought that she had to therefore go. <laughs> But one of those mums had a child with special needs and wasn't sure that she would be welcome. She came and she was blown away by the welcome, the care and the resources. Thank you for relentlessly sowing seeds and sowing kingdom seeds. We love your desire collectively as a church to create environments to come and facilitate this community to worship Jesus, creating spaces for others to come. And honestly, it is no small feat. In the last year, you have put down and put up 1,584 exam tables. You've served 5,460 pastries, 3,591 hot drinks, and put out 5,773 chairs and moved 3,105 tables. <laughs> You've volunteered over 11,000 hours to make make Sundays happen. Why do I obsess about the details and talk about ours so much? Because what we become is so often because of you, giving your time and your energy and your resources to make it happen. Not only do many of you do it as an act of service, but many of you love it. One of you said this, joining team was one of the first things I did. I made loads of friends through it, and it made me part, feel part of something bigger. Another of you said, teams help us to feel like part of family very quickly, working together with others to encounter Jesus drew us closer to those on the team around us. Joining teams felt like the moment we joined a family. Another of you said one of the best things about serving is getting time with people. For sheer exposure to those in the community, it's probably unmatched. And the relationships you build are forged in an environment of togetherness, which naturally leads to a level of ownership and wider unity. The church is people. If you want to get to know them better, serve on a team. Can I get an amen for whoever made that comment? Why would you not join a team? But I'm also so grateful that many of you know how to make this, this, without me having to think about it. Thank you for the 146 of you that serve regularly on Sunday teams and the 25 of you that have joined teams for the first time this year. Without you, this would not happen. We constantly want to create home for people to come and people to explore Jesus. The thank you team barbecue that despite the most unbelievable forecast, you all decided in Manchester it goes ahead regardless and it went ahead. You know though, we long to worship Jesus. And we're so grateful for those of you that facilitate some worship in this community, for the training and investing in worship and the teams among us, to the roughly six people a week who give on average 38 hours a week to make that possible, the nearly 2,000 hours a year, not including the many times in small groups, seeing people grow and develop in their gifting is an incredible thing.
the facilitation of the writing of the kids' song, the development of kids' worship that is now expanding into youth worship, the introduction of many new songs this year. Among Us, the fastest song we've ever sung, The Real Thing at 95 beats a minute. I love how you guys know some of these details, but the relaunching of the Once a Term worship nights post-pandemic, the creativity among you for things like Monday, Thursday, and giving us space and allowing us to dwell on Jesus. The carol service, I honestly panic every year about how you will do it better, and somehow you do, constantly creating spaces for people to invite people. It was hilarious, it was stirring, and it was so well done. The welcome, we had a choir, I don't know what you'll do next year other than have a zip wire, but it, it allows us to see and it allowed us to save, save a Jesus. And it was all, as so often is the case, completely volunteer-led, created and facilitated. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that makes these things possible, for giving your time, for giving your talents, for investing in creating spaces for others, not just on the evening, but in the weeks and months before it and the kids one that then followed the next week many of these moments lead collectively to lives changed and it has been a joy to see 10 of you be baptized over this last year and to celebrate the stories of lives changed a number of you said to us at the last baptism that that is the potentially the most powerful gathering you have ever been part of it was phenomenal I love the story and the individual stories of people like Fred. Fred came here as a student. He was cycling past <clears throat> one Sunday. One of you on the car parking team invited him to come in. <clears throat> he was with us <clears throat> for one year to the day, exactly. And he gave his life to Jesus among us. On his last Sunday in the ministry time, he said he wanted to be baptized. The next day with his flight back to Indonesia in the afternoon, a hastily arranged group of people gathered, worshiped Jesus. He shared his story and he was baptized. It will stay with me for a long time. How he said that he thought it was just gonna be him and a couple of other people. He was blown away by the lengths that we'd go to as a community for the one person. And that is a principle and a story that we could share and tell time and time and time again. It's baptisms next Sunday. If you've yet to be baptized, we would love the honor of baptizing you. But also what a week to invite people. Let's just talk for a moment about youth, their needs, the pressures on that age group are quite significant. It's a huge season of life. They've met 40 times on Fridays over the last year. We've 80 hours been invested in them in that time. They've gathered 37 times on Sundays, particularly as that age group. And you've ploughed that we know of a minimum of a further 55 hours into them. During the last weekend away, one of the youth was stirred by the Holy Spirit and decided to get baptised, and we had the joy of baptising her recently. This one's for the parents or maybe the dentist, but they think they've consumed over 4,375 salt and vinegar twirls in the last year. <laughs> They're competing with me for mini eggs on that. But one of them gave their life recently to Jesus at DTI. And what a joy it is to see them stepping out and praying for each other. Strong community was built during that time. One of them said they weren't expecting to enjoy it as much as they did. And on the last night, didn't want it to end. How powerful that is 
among that year age group. You'll be pleased to know and not surprised to know that the students have eaten over 150 portions of food at the nine student lunches they've had. Amazing to think, as a church plant, five students have now graduated and are no longer students. Some of the stories of how you love each other and find ways to serve fellow students, helping to feed them, helping them move house, and reaching into some of the most challenging, heartbreaking moments, seeking to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. You are truly wonderful, and we're grateful to see your ever-growing, ever-increasing faith. More broadly, for all of us, small groups have been a huge part of who we are. We now have 14 groups as of this last year. Two of them are planted into new boroughs of Greater Manchester. But you've laughed together and you've cried together. And we're deeply, deeply grateful for those of you that lead groups. You've given over 1,890 hours in the last year to facilitate that. One couple said that they've experienced a huge amount of healing and freedom from small group, journeying with them. They've been so impacted by what family looks like that it's now encouraged them to consider planting their own. One of you has been so impacted by small groups sharing food and community that it's prompted you to commit to doing the same with friends who don't know Jesus. That's incredible. We love what small group is and becomes, the place where some of you have found that friends literally become family. You've shared Christmas Day together and Boxing together, Day together. It is consistently a place of healing. You are constantly using small groups as a springboard to love and serve others. One of you said this, small group at MV are such a joy. They're a midweek blessing when work, caring responsibilities or family life start to take over. We've been part of different small groups and found that they're all a bit different. There's something for everyone, but they all have in common holding Jesus and community at the centre. What has taken us back over this time in various small groups has been how that group becomes an extended family. We love planting small groups to create space for more people to come and to be part of it, to constantly and consistently seek to create community. It's so important we come together, men sharing together. Some of those times have literally been on fire. I love the contrast, though, to the women's gatherings that have been so civilised, yet all creating spaces to invite others and to build community. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. The retreats you've hosted, the weddings you've celebrated, community is huge. And it's a huge thing to be part of. The weekend away, which was our first ever, was amazing. We got to spend intentional time together. Some camped, most didn't. Let's be honest, sometimes being with each other can actually present significant challenges. Uh, that, that photo is a joke, but the principle isn't. Um, time together, though, is so important. And some of you take these things so seriously. I still can't believe that the sheep escaped and we had to round them up, even, even though not one of us accidentally left the gate open. There are moments, though, where everybody gets to be part of it and it bonds us together as a community and a family. Some of the games were serious, 
but in those moments we learn from each other and it's all part of our discipleship. And sometimes it's hard to explain exactly what is going on, but especially when most of us have gone to bed. But on the whole, I think it was a time that was well received. In fact, many of the highlights of the year, if you're thinking of coming this year in May, I want to say honestly come. It won't be the same without you. There's crazy golf. There's an amazing indoor and outdoor kids thing. There's a cinema with all sorts of screens, I'm told. But also, it's times of community. We'll do a bit of worship, but predominantly, it will be time together, getting to know each other better. And I could not think of a better way or space to get to know each other. I love this. And if you can't afford it, people, when they sign up, have the opportunity to contribute to others. Many of you already have so, so please don't let money put you off. Honestly, come. We always want to be creating spaces for others to come and have easy access to be part of this community. Things like beer and carols and the hey let's dial it down slightly from the pre-pandemic thousands firework event that is now set up for many many to come and an invitation and a growth moment. You've gathered and you've prayed and you've interceded for each other, for this church, for this nation and wider. You've started new courses to train and equip people like healing and freedom in Christ. This has been one of the most remarkable years for signs and wonders. Remarkable healing moments among us. So hard to capture and share in this moment, but I couldn't not say something. We significantly expanded the amount of people leading and having creative pathways for them to be trained and equipped to do so. We're so grateful for those of you that lead and invest in others. We are so grateful for the provision that you make to invest in the leaders and those that lead and just how well you've done that over the last year. This will have to continue to increase in this next season of, as, the, as the church grows and it develops. We've continually pressed into training and equipping. Training to share our faith cross-culturally. We've partnered with the Vineyard to launch launch leadership essentials 20 people are doing that six of you only joined us in the last year and as ever with everything we want to reach beyond ourselves the youth went to DTI but so did 40 of you you bought train tickets, you gave up a week's annual leave you bought tents and not only that you slept in them and some of you really don't relish stuff like that but you did it to serve others. You did it to love others and create opportunities for thousands of others to encounter Jesus. It was jolly hard work, but also a great time together. I couldn't actually find a photo of me serving and working hard as many of the others of you, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But the sun, the sun did shine. And it wasn't, I wasn't the only one who got a bit of downtime. And on the worst Wi-Fi in the world, we got to watch the lionesses bring it home. 60 of you went to Cause to Live For, the Young Adults Conference. Amazing time to build community among us. And as a church, you put so much into making that happen. It's always fun and it's always exhausting. Some of you may have found it so exhausting that you fell asleep with the joy and the comfort of everyone else joining you in that moment. We also 
uh, when a number of you served at our National Leaders Conference, again, such an important time together. A number of you particularly enjoyed the seminar that we created and hosted where we just played football. But there are many things and many ways that you've contributed to, to churches locally, nationally, in the vineyard and across the wider body of Christ. You've continued to both invest financially and relationally in Albania, Kenya, Austria and India. Here's a photo of a Bible study course that some of the young people were able to complete in Saranda in Albania and the building that they're able to use. Here's Jurgo, the church leader, and written on that lectern it translates pray without ceasing. Here's one of the prayer meetings in Chukka. Eddie is the National Director of Vineyard Churches in Kenya, who texted us this morning to wish us all well. He's deeply blessed us. Oh, we're back. There we go. He's deeply blessed us as a church, and we've obviously sought to be the same to him. So much of that happens, and so much more could be said, but we don't have time for it all. Let me just talk about finances. You're glad the sound's come back on for that, because that's what everybody really wants to hear. Listen, we don't have an AGM, but if we did, this would be it. And so with that in mind, I just want to give you a brief overview of the general finances of the church. We don't have a PCC. A number of you don't even know what that is and count yourselves lucky you've been spared. But Steph and I lead the church. We work in team. We have numerous mechanisms of oversight and accountability, including a board of trustees. The Vineyard Church is an Episcopal movement. We're accountable to an area leader. Our accounts and processes are externally and independently examined. But we're grateful to the trustees for their wisdom and for their due diligence. We're grateful for the many of you that give hours and time behind the scenes to serve with regards finances. For those of you that like the detail, just so that you're aware, our financial year does not follow the calendar year. So the figures I cover um, the financial, uh, of the financial year, unlike the rest of the talk, which has followed the calendar year. These numbers are also slightly different to the published accounts because we've removed the financial accounting adjustments for things like assets. Therefore, what I'm sharing is based on our true income in the year and the true costs in the year. These numbers do not include the restricted gifts, grants and running costs of 422 because today is about focusing on how we're doing as a church. But with regard to our income, regular giving accounted for 72% of our income, which was £134,795. One-off gifts were £14,993. Gift aid accounted for £31,937. And other income was £148, which includes a small amount that we get from interest on our savings, which pretty much comes up on the graph as zero. We also used £6,257 of the prior year's surplus because our costs were higher than our income that came in. This was predominantly due to investments that we made, particularly in our sound and media, and it seems like we may need to do again, to be able to do church in person and online well. Therefore, the total incoming was £188,130. Overall donations that you and others have given were up 16% on the previous year, which is deeply encouraging, particularly given we are doing more and committing to more now 
as the church grows in this next season. In terms of our expenditure, 49% of the budget was spent directly on ministry. That is doing the stuff that we believe we're called to do. We've committed to giving 15% of everything that comes in away. We will continue to do that because we love and we want to serve this city and we give money to things that don't directly benefit us, but are part of our vision to love and serve Manchester. A number of those things I've already mentioned today, but I'm delighted to say we were able to give away and set aside to give away £27,259, which meets our 15% commitment for all that came in. This 15% is based on the unrestricted giving and is only used for things that don't directly benefit us. The true reality is this figure is actually a lot higher, but we hold ourselves to a strict criteria in how we measure it. Why, if I'm saying 15%, does for those of you that noticed the graph show 14%, honestly, this detail matters. We actually gave away 15% from our true income, but because we included the £6,000 of reserves from the previous year, of which we'd already given 15% away on, the graph only shows 14%. Sorry, that is a detail, and probably over most of you, but honestly, that matters because it's about our integrity to do what we said we would with the money. Ministry support is 37%. The previous year, we intentionally increased our reserves on the back of the pandemic so that we could navigate the unknown. However, we've seen God's remarkable provision, and we've just about been able to meet everything we did in that year by only using a small portion of the reserves. Total expenditure was therefore £188,130. You may have noticed gift aid is a significant part of our income. It's around 17%. In terms of gift aid, if you haven't already gift aided what you give, can I encourage you to do so? For every £1 you give, we can reclaim 25p for free. If everybody that has gift aided, sorry, if everybody that has given gift aided where they've paid tax, we might be able to reclaim more than we currently have. And if we could have reclaimed that gift aid on every donation, we'd receive a further £5,510, which is no small amount of money. You can do that at mvuk.org forward slash gift aid if you haven't already. Whilst I'm not going to look at in detail over areas of 42 and the restricted gifts in details, I do just want to share a couple of highlights. In last year's Vision Talk, we shared that we wanted to build a fund for building for the future. And we were deeply encouraged, as we said, give as the Lord leads you. You gave £49,000. Your generosity and belief in what is still to come is really quite breathtaking. We said of part of that giving that we wanted to give to Albania for them to be able to have a church building. Even as we stepped out in our own exploration of a building, we wanted to bless and to serve others first. We were able to give a significant proportion of what you gave on to them. Without that gift, that ability for that church in Albania to survive was under threat. And we've received many messages of thanks that they have asked us to pass on to you today. 422 has also been a really large part of what we have been about and is so central to our heart for prioritising the last, the lost 
and the least. And in addition to the generous gifts that you and others in the church have given, we've also received many grants to help us refurbish that building. To date, we've received over £725,000 to help with that building, and that doesn't include the many hours, discounts, and free things that we've received. This has been our first year of running 422 to provide a space for the local community, the pantry, the many rooms, and the many things that it's able to do. Because we were still refurbishing the building alongside this, we knew it would limit what we could do, and we would need to invest in that project. Now the building project is complete. We believe 422 is able to start to generate an income stream to cover the majority of its own costs. However, we knew this project would always need an investment from us. But we also knew God would never question our generosity to prioritise in the last, the lost and the least. Let me just jump back to us as a church. It may not be obvious from the figures, but as a church, we're running a fairly tight ship. If you're yet to do so, we'd like to encourage you to join with financially enabling the church to do all that we believe it could be and should be. Wherever possible, we'd encourage you to give by direct debit as it incurs no bank charges to us and also allows us to most effectively budget. As we look ahead at the church and the growth and all that we believe God has called us to do, the giving will need to grow just to cover the commitments that we've made, particularly as the cost of living crisis kicks in and as we meet the growing needs of a growing church. We have a budget that has faith for growth and we pray that the Lord would increase our giving. We have many plans for things beyond the scope of sharing today that are in a projected budget that we could do if the finances grow. Can I therefore encourage you to consider your giving? But much of what we do do and could do is released in and through the generosity of people in this church partnering with us for the vision. To get to where we are now has been a result of your remarkable generosity. We're not externally funded as a church, and Steph and I are deeply, deeply grateful for the many moments of continued generosity and partnership in the vision for all that God has called us to do. Sorry, I carry burden often for the finances of the church. But you can find a booklet on your seat that I'll explain in more detail everything I've just said. But today, I believe, is a step-in moment. It's a reminder moment of the goodness of God, but it's also a step-in moment for what could be. Many of you will have joined recently. Some of you will have felt on the edge. Some of you will have been around for a while and grown tired. Tired of giving yourself. Tired of the cost financially. Tired of serving the needs of the poor. Tired of meeting people's needs. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I want to say all of this that has happened so far is because somebody said yes. We don't have formal membership. We consider membership to be involvement. And some of the key ways to be a member, if we had such a thing, would be come regularly on a Sunday. This is our collective celebration. Join a small group. It's the place to be known and grown and often the springboard to serve. Join a team and all that happens. A 
and it happens because people make it happen. We create spaces and places for others to come. And as I mentioned, giving financially. With the backdrop of all that I've shared today, please remember this last year, we celebrated only our sixth birthday as a church. We're still so young. So much is still in formation. We're so grateful for what has been. Each and every life invested in finding and discovering more of Jesus, the love and service of this city. And yet we believe there is still so much more to come. Let me very briefly just mention some of what we're believing for and praying for in the days ahead. As I mentioned, this is part of a five-year process. We're establishing the building in blocks for our future. To do that, the infrastructure and the culture needs further investment. As part of that, last year we said two things, that we intend to plant more small groups and to plant across the city, and for that to be an intentional part of catalyzing planting churches. In the last year, we've planted more small groups, and two of them have broken into new boroughs of the city, as we seek to plant more churches and ultimately, sorry, more small groups and ultimately churches, we need to increase our training and equipping to allow us to do that. Here is a key, key few elements. Some of the building blocks for this have been really the last year creating a pipeline for leadership. This last year, we launched Leadership Essentials within Manchester Vineyard, a two-year course covering many of the most important and fundamental aspects of leadership. The internship has been reformed. Some of you will feel stirred to explore doing that from September. Much of what we do is because people like you say yes. The Leadership College is a year-long intensive part-time program seeking to allow people to invest in their call to leadership in an intentional and deliberate way hosted by the vineyard. The vineyard has now a partnership with WTC, a theological training college, offering part-time courses in kingdom theology at undergraduate and postgraduate level. There's also Vineyard Theology that is launching at the end of April this year that will be widely accessible. And we long for more and more of you to step in and be trained and equipped for what is ahead. We'll share some more of the access points to that in the days ahead with you. But this year as a church, we will also be launching a church planting academy. We want to create the on-ramp for some of you for what the Lord is specifically calling us to plant. We intend to plant churches and if we are going to see people give of themselves to church planting, giving up everything to plant, we owe them, we owe it to them to send them the best we can. We're believing for something significant for Greater Manchester and the North West. In the coming weeks, we'll be launching our new website with the details of everything I've just said on there. Some of you will be wondering, well, what's my part? I don't feel called to plant a church. I'm not sure I'll ever plant or lead a small group. I think there's three clear things. Firstly, our part is to keep saying yes to Jesus. If you're up to your ankles, will you come up to your knees? If you're up to your knees, will you come up to your waist? And some of you, it's time to start swimming. The second thing is this, it takes a village. We will not plant churches if someone doesn't open up their home to host a small group. If someone doesn't have someone over for a meal to get to know them. If somebody doesn't, if somebody doesn't, if somebody doesn't. We all get to own this and we all get to be part of it. The third thing, this is the part that I want all of us to grasp. One more person. Our job is just often to invite one more person to consider Jesus. To go to work and share with Jesus 
with one more person, to be sat on the bus and tell one more person about Jesus, to invite one more person to come to next week's baptism. If we all engage and we all invite one more person, that one more person needs to find a small group. That one more person needs a church family. Honestly, it starts with one more person. The second part that we shared last year is that we believe it's time to start looking for a building and a ministry base for some of the kind of stuff we're doing as a church, the kids stuff, the youth gatherings, the worship rehearsals, the alpha, the outreach, the leaders training, the equipping, the office space. We need a facility to help ease the infrastructure challenges that we're facing. And you gave a remarkable £49,000 to help kickstart that building for the future process, a portion of which I mentioned we were able to give to Albania. We also needed to finish the 422 build before we could really open this door. Over the last year, we've moved many of the meetings and gatherings from ad hoc hired spaces, which has certainly helped facilitate the growth. But now with the building work of 422 dialing down, we intend for the temperature of this to dial up. Some of the doors we've pushed would take a miracle, but we are in the miracle business, aren't we? This is crucial though, as we have with everything, we want to be, we have been, and we will continue to be led by the spirit. I find it, I realise, sorry, that some people may find that quite frustrating. People often want clarity and they want to know what is happening. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What is next? It's not that we're trying to be intentionally vague, but we have to be led by the Lord. Like with 422, because we knew it was him, it was worth all of the risks, all of the costs, all of the challenges that come with it. But it's also then been extravagantly more than we could see because it wasn't about us, it was about him. One of the things you can do right now is pray specifically about this. Pray for the building that is yet to come. The resourcing center that would allow us to fulfill everything that we're believing for as a church, the hub that would release many other things across this city. As has always been the case and has been the case before, we will reap what we sow right now and we are investing in the root to allow for the fruit. Every major step we've taken has been initiated by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by us. We want to intentionally plant small groups. We want to intentionally raise and train leaders. We want to intentionally explore the building option. Why don't we stand together? Many of you may not have fully clocked this but today is mother's day and mother's day has always been a profound moment in the vineyard movement in 1977 60 people gathered for the first time in a vineyard on a sunday on mother's day 1980 the spirit of god fell powerfully upon them and it changed and spread out around the world ephesians 3 verse 20 now all glory to god who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Lord, we welcome you.